Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is one close to my heart, selling training to management in a down market. I have the perfect expert, Gary Colbreth is Vice President of Learning and Development at Freedom Mortgage. Gary has a long history within mortgage banking, previous previous lenders, New Res, and GMAC. Hi, Gary. Right. It's been quite quite a journey. That's for sure. Well, before we talk about the main topic, let's get how you got into the world of mortgage banking. And this is going back, I know, a while. <laughs> <laughs> so like many, getting into the mortgage business was my first venture into the work world. And uh, right after school, I you know, was looking for, for work, thinking I'm going to be an accountant and ended up doing mortgage servicing, escrow analysis to be specific, <laughs> <laughs> coming into the business. And it's kind of gone on from there. I can't name how many different roles I've you know, had throughout the years, but spent a lot of time, uh, first part of my career in servicing, mm-hmm. uh, then and operations, and then ultimately in the uh, learning and HR space. Well, that's a perfect segue into what are your current challenges? I know this is part of the topic we're going to talk about today in learning and development that you see. It's obviously changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's, you know, the, the tough part or the challenges in the current position is just understanding all of the different needs, you know, within the learning space for a mortgage company. You've got, you know, the loan officers that always have to find a new way to sell. You've got, you know, servicing folks that have to make sure they know how to treat customers and how we want them treated. Then we've got our leaders who always need to, uh, you know, sharpen their swords as well to make sure that they're ready for the challenges of the day. So that leads into the trends for the rest of the year and going into next year. What are some of the topics that you see mortgage bankers are not talking about and should be talking about as far as uh, from your viewpoint? Um, for me, the, the big topic is cross-training because, uh, you know, with the rates going up and companies getting smaller, uh, we have fewer people that we need to do more things. So, you know, having having folks with diversified knowledge bases really helps us because we're able to plug and play where needed. If we don't have that opportunity, then you end up getting less effective at things that you were very effective prior to, to getting smaller. Well, that's a really good point for sure, which leads to with all the changes going on in mortgage banking, how do you stay current? Uh, well, I spend a lot of time on calls and having conversations with colleagues and uh, I'm a part of the CMB society. So I stay current with the MBA and uh, make sure that uh, I'm up on what's going on. And of course, within my own company as well. Well, that's certainly a lot on your plate for sure. So let's talk about this issue about training in our current market, which is a rising rate environment and selling it to management. Talk about kind of how you see this and what do you find to be most effective? Well, in, in this particular you know, space, the, I kind of touched on it before, it's helping everybody or educating leadership on the fact that you know, as we're going down in numbers, 
how how proficient are we at the things we need to you know make sure we stay really good at uh and how prepared are the employees that we have that are that are doing that so when was the last time they did things as simple as customer service training or product training so that they understand the change in the product mix that they're going to be selling based on the rising interest rates how are we making sure that you know our leaders are equipped to manage in this smaller environment as you may be dealing with lower morale because you don't mm-hmm. have uh, as many uh, people as you had and people are uh, perceiving, you know, they're overworked or things like that. So what, what are you doing to, to do that? So number one, establishing what the potential gaps are and what the needs are, you know, for them and then helping them understand how to, you know, how best to address them, whether it be bringing back courses that you may not have had to use for a while or adding more courses to the ones that you're already doing. But the key is, again, just staying out in front of it, uh, making sure that they're along for the ride and understand the value in doing it. Then, of course, showing showing the results once you've done it. Well, that's a great, great point that you're making. So talk about where does the where does the training topics, in other words, typically, how do you see that working? A topic that's coming from the management teams, or is this something that's coming from the the training component? Or where do you see the topic coming from? And then typically, who gets when they raise their hand that they want training? Who gets that focus first? I mean, are you dealing typically sales in this environment, or is it on the op side? Talk about both of those issues. Sure. So in terms of where do the uh, request or who, mm-hmm. who decides the topics, that's really going to be the uh, based on the priority of the, the organization itself, mm-hmm. you know, initially. You know, what, what's the direction? Are we, you know, again, looking to, you know, extract as many sales as we can? And if so, let's, let's look at evaluating the readiness of the, of the sales force. I'm going to say that's probably going to be your higher priority mm-hmm. item in this market as as you're trying to get you know keep the uh, production coming in. Then secondly, you know how are you making sure you're able to take care of that? So it's almost following the cycle of the the loan itself. So going from the sales folks to the ops folks to the servicing folks, um, and then um, some of the cross training that you may want to do to help. Uh, for instance, servicing people recognize sales opportunities uh, that they can forward to a call center uh, or even handle themselves in certain cases if you've got the personnel trained properly you know, to deal with that so that you're able to capture folks where they are. You know, If they call in about X and you see that they've got the opportunity for cash out or you recognize that based on the conversation you're having, you know, you're able to capitalize on that and, and turn it into an opportunity to both service the customer for what they called in for and offer them a new option uh, to either give them cash out or mm-hmm. um, save them money. So, Gary, how does it work from the standpoint of the delivery component of training? And so let's talk about, as an example, maybe sales training. Is that done as, from a web standpoint or is it done from on site or how, how does that work? And then how do you figure out who actually needs the training? Is it is it an issue that everybody gets the same training or talk about your thoughts on that? So I would I would say in that's in that scenario. 
your we do most of our training still virtually we haven't gone 100 percent you know back to the office yet on on everything uh so i would say it was it would be instructor led but but virtual in in a call center environment works out well because <laughs> the practice is, is more realistic because you're not face to face but um you know you go through you know we do go through the virtual training mm-hmm. but there's so the the follow-up of allowing them to try it and, and mm-hmm. see where the weaknesses are. How it's identified, I would say we would start with our identified lower performers based on production volume and then work our way up to uh, who else, you know, who are you interested in in this or or making it open enrollment for the, the higher um, higher producers. So when you talk about that, which you hit on the key topic that's often talked about in training, is that training is looked at as some solution for low performers, when in fact, of the matter is, probably low performers maybe shouldn't be in the business. And so what's the thoughts on that? So you have to give them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. And, and from that perspective, it, it's almost the we're going to give you this opportunity, give you the uh, the chance to sharpen your skills and and see if you can get from this tier to the next. And that's kind of the gateway to either up or out uh, in many cases, because mm-hmm. some recognize that, no, this is not for me. Some will say, yes, I can do this and, and find a way based on, you know, that skill sharpening to, to make their way into that next year. And so when you're, when you're looking at training and, and determining a return on investment, which is always the key complaint about training, is that how do we know that it actually has any impact? How do, what are some of the measurements that you use, especially if you're having to focus on low performers who probably more than likely aren't being matched really for that position? Talk about the, the metrics on what is working in training and what isn't. So number one, we're going to do, uh, we're going to start with the end in mind and mm-hmm. we're going to what are they doing now and what is it they should be doing? <laughs> and so we're going to identify whether it be an increase in loan conversion or if it's increase in uh, loan quality or if it's an increase in, you know, customer service, whatever, whatever the measurement is that's that's going to make them meet the standard or help them meet the standard, that's where we're starting. And then we, you know, go through that training, make sure everybody's in agreement with that measurement. And then we start the the process of are we moving the needle or not? We we take them through the training, we monitor their performance and and identify did we hit the the mark or not. So from a time standpoint, what it, when you are, let's say, doing training, is what have you found worked? Two hours at tops at most and then many sessions, or is it 30 minutes and that's it? And then how, how does that really, from your viewpoint, become effective versus something that all-day training virtually is tiring? So talk, talk about Yeah. We like to do everything in modules, if at all possible, number one, because it's less disruptive to the business, but it's also easier to digest and easier to measure, quite frankly, because if you if you hit them with one or two learning objectives at a time and, and start them using them and measuring them, then it becomes a building block as opposed to trying to funnel it all in at, at the same time. And I don't necessarily put a cap 
on the overall or total time because it's going to depend on what the analysis has shown us. How many learning objectives are there? How many mm -hmm. different modules? need to to do does everybody need all modules or some modules so you mm -hmm. uh, the more you modularize the more you're able to customize and so from the standpoint of a typical course from the modules then you're talking about maybe capping them for a half an hour or an hour or is that is that what you're doing over many se se uh, separate days typically we would do it, uh, about an hour Again, depending on how many modules there are, we would do them in, you know, in sequence. So we would have, uh, you know, Monday through Thursday or Monday through Wednesday, you know, from 11 to 12, whatever the, the agreed mm -hmm. upon time. And we would deliver that. If it's more along the line of open enrollment, then we would do them in many cases as lunch and learn type things where okay. they can do it over a lunch. And so from your standpoint of rolling out these types of programs, is this something you're developing internally yourself or are you outsourcing or how does that all work? In most cases, we are building it internally for certain things we will outsource or, or have mm -hmm. um, a, a, an e-learning module that we may point them to, depending on the subject matter itself. So how often are you using the famous previously recorded training? efforts that most people don't like. <laughs> Previously recorded, we really don't for that very reason. Right. Um, because it's, it's not very, number one, it's not interactive at all. But number right. two, our attention spans, particularly in the sales world, and I can say that as a former salesperson, <laughs> you know, we, we just don't sit well with watching a video alone or, or watching uh, or listening to something that I, that I can't interact with or, or at least glean something from and, and take action with mm -hmm. immediately. So we try to do things that are going to keep them interactive. So even if, we, if it is an e-learning, it's something that they are going to do or something they're going to interact with as opposed to just watching or listening to. So how do you get buy-in from the manager, from a coaching and, and ongoing uh, component of reinforcing the training? So are, are, is the learning group doing this or is it left to the manager? Do you make the managers participate in the training so they can reinforce it? Because you can have excellent training and then it doesn't get reinforced and then nothing really is working and then the, they blame the training. Yeah, yeah, we will go. We will typically give an overview of you know what's going on in the training to the managers. They don't normally go through the exact training that the the same individual mm -hmm. uh, does, but um, we give them, uh, like I said, the overview and then what job aid or checklist, if you will, to say these are the things that we're going to be reinforcing and going to need you to reinforce after after the class, so that you know they have the opportunity to to use that. So has that actually worked where the manager has, uh, in other words, reinforced the material or in your experience, is that something that is an ongoing saga? So, you know, being <laughs> working with folks in the organ in, in the business in general, you, you know, you're going to have those that will jump all over and buy in immediately and will do what they need to do to keep their folks productive. And then you'll have those that, uh, kind of want to set it and forget it yeah. <laughs> and we'll and we'll keep doing what they do and and hope that 
we do our job and, and it sticks. So I'm going to say you have a mixed bag there where you have to, you know, some, some will praise you to the ceilings and, and tell you what a great job you're doing and, and back up the work that you've done and support it. And then there are those that are going to let it work on its own and, and hope that it sticks. Well, it's the age-old problem in training is that you can have a great program and then the manager doesn't reinforce it. And so then it's like within 90, what do they say? Within 90 days, all the learning is is certainly forgotten. Yeah. So there is and a partnership. Contradicted. <laughs> right. Very, very, very true. So what are some of the trends that you see in learning and development going forward? Because certainly it's a space that's changing uh, rapidly as everything else in business is changing. For me and for what I'm, I'm trying to push is don't stop learning. Like learning should not be an event. It's it's kind of a part of the job or is a part of the job. So, you know, we do things like have the lunch and learn so that people can choose the the areas that they want to get stronger in. We participate in the uh, Mortgage Bankers Education Advantage where we've got, you know, tons of content uh, available on just about any mortgage topic at will uh, available to the organization so that they can take it, even those that aren't directly in the production line can still, you know, uh, kind of get the 101 for non-mortgage bankers, uh, you know, information. And then we are constantly looking to say, what else can we provide or should we be providing that we're not to make sure that it's available uh, mm -hmm. instead of waiting until we have a problem? Well, I can go on for hours with you on this topic because it's certainly close and dear to my heart. And so, but is there a couple of takeaways that you would like to share with our listeners today regarding learning and development and some of the trends and how to sell it to management that it does actually make a big difference? From the selling standpoint, I would again just say educate the the leaders on what's going on within their own world. If you're if you're close to your business partners within the, the lines of business, you will know where their pain points are. You know what you're doing you know, for them in their world. So you encourage the leadership to allow you to do more of it, to uh, minimize those pain points and, and offset them uh, and show them the benefit of it, whether it be higher production, reducing risk or saving money, you know, depending on what, you know, what the topic is. Uh, and I think that will go a long way. Um, and, and from the recipients or the learner's standpoint, I, I'll repeat what I said earlier about just continuing to learn. Um, what we do today is not what we're going to be doing tomorrow because the business is constantly changing. So you want to stay involved and up to date on what the current uh, trends in the industry are, what skills you need to to support that, and what technology is out there and available and that and what you're using to make sure you're proficient in all of that in order to be, you know, the best. Well, I can't agree more with you, that's for sure. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And I especially want to thank Gary for sharing his thought. I certainly appreciate uh, you all spending time with us today. Thanks so much, Gary. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. 
If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.